everybody, this is Brian Bickford from Mainly Matters, and this is the Travel and Tourism Channel. You know that I interview people about their travel experiences here in Maine, their travel businesses, and what makes Maine vacation land. You know, um, I was in my basement over the weekend, and my skis popped out to me, my skis, my poles, my boots, and I started to think that it's almost time. It's almost time, and, and what better to be get really excited about is that Sugarloaf. Sugarloaf is that place is that place. It's the highest mountain in Maine. And we just want to get there. And so what I did is actually got on the phone. I invited somebody, I invited one of our, our, our subject matter experts. And today I've got Ethan Austin. Hey, Ethan, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Great. You know, Ethan, you're the uh, director of marketing. You've been there for 16 years at Sugarloaf? Uh, yeah, roughly in, in a couple different roles, but yeah. Yeah. And you get paid for this job. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> That's right. So you live in a mountain, you get to ski, you get to talk about skiing, you get to talk about recreation, about resorts, the whole thing, and they pay you. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I always say, you know, if thirteen year old the thirteen year old version of myself could know where I end up ended up for work, I'd be pretty happy. You know, it's funny because all of us have to pay you to go there. You know, and we, we pay the mountain, we pay but you know, it's it's so worth it. And you know, there's a lot of history. You know, I'm originally from Maine, you know, several generations of, of Mainers. And, you know, I remember the first time that I went to Sugarloaf, I was actually brought by a, my finger quote um, is saying friend who brought me up to a, a top of, of one of the peaks. I can't remember exactly which one. But he says, by the time you get down, you'll know how to ski. That was my that was my ski lesson on on Sugarloaf, and he's absolutely right. I hated him. I still hate him today. I won't even mention his name. But uh, but he uh, but that was a tough a tough day for me. But he's right. I, I actually didn't know how to ski, but I knew how to stop. I knew how to turn. I knew how to you know um, with the the snow in my goggles, the whole thing. So Sugarloaf has a uh, has a lot of um, memory and a, and a great place for a lot of us Mainers, you know. Um, you know, because it's that place that we just go to escape. And, you know, you know, in your mind, particularly, you know, you're dealing with that that marketing side of things and, and, and trying to attract, you know, people to the mountain, uh, Ethan. And, you know, who, who are the customers? You know, where, are they are they are a combination of, of, you know, people from here and people from away? Where, who are your customers? Yeah, it, it's a combination and it sort of depends on, you know, whether you're looking at our season pass holders or our lift ticket purchasers. Uh, but, you know, our our, our biggest uh, market is right here in Maine. Um, about 80% of our season pass holders are from Maine and, um, you know, smaller amounts from outside of that. And uh, on the uh, the lift ticket side, though, it's a, it's a bigger geographic mix where it's probably about uh, 60% from Maine and about 30% from Massachusetts and then smaller amounts from places like, uh, like Canada and then the rest of New England and, you know, very small amounts from, from states outside of that. But, um, yeah, we're, we're Maine's mountain. Um, you know, our, our customers are, are primarily, are primarily Mainers of, of all, um, you know, ages, shapes, sizes, income levels. Um, you know, we, we really cover the the spectrum. Yeah. And, you know, in what, uh, you know, retaining people to your mountain, um, I saw some statistic that it was about 1.3 million skiers or visits, you know, between um, Sunday River and uh, and Sugarloaf. Um, Obviously, your job is is retention and keeping, but what are the things that that make people want to keep coming back to Sugarloaf? Well, a lot of it is is things that we're just kind of blessed with naturally. Uh, You know, the the mountain, uh, the, the area, um, you know, if you've been to Sugarloaf, you know that it's 
you know, it, once you're here, it kind of sticks with you. There's a, a great sense of arrival when you come around the corner. Um, you know, everybody calls it, mm. oh my gosh, corner, because that's right. kind of, that, that's what you say when you go around the corner. And right. Most people can remember the first time that they, they drove around that corner and saw the mountain. I, I can, and now, you know, I was about eight years old at the time. Yeah. So, uh, it, it really sticks with you. And, you know, if you spend a little bit of time up here, um, you know, get to know the, the community a little bit, uh, there's just something about it that, that really sticks with you. And mm. that's obvious. If you talk to people who ski here, there's a, there's a real sense of, of community. There's a real sense of loyalty to, to the place. And, you know, you can see the Sugarloaf stickers slapped on surfaces <laughs> around the, the globe. So people, you know, they, they right. really feel an attachment to it and it, it kind of becomes for a lot of people, part of their identity. So that's, right. that's a big part of it. But, you know, on the, the actual, you know, business side of things, a lot of it's just customer service, you know, and right. treating people the right way, making sure that they're, they're having a good experience, treating them fairly, um, in, you know, in our, in our service and our, in our products and, mm-hmm. uh, maintaining a relationship with them one after they leave. Uh, so it's, it, you know, kind of the, the standard things that, that businesses preach, but we're, we're also blessed with this great natural resource that helps us with it. You know, let's just unravel this a little bit. I mean, there's some history here. I think it goes back to 1950 and, uh, I ran into something when my research for this is Amos Winter. Um, I think he started cutting uh, um, some trails um, early, like 1950. Um, does that sound, does that ring a bell to you? Yeah, it's probably the most, uh, you know, appropriately named ski area founder that you'll, that you'll encounter. But yeah, Amos yeah. Winter, um, back in the, in the late 40s and 50s, he and a, a group of people, um, you know, began cutting the trails on Sugarloaf. There had been a, a group of people who skied, uh, skied around here before that they mm-hmm. skied largely on the, uh, the Bigelow mountains on the Flagstaff Lake side of things. Uh, when the, the dead river was, uh, dammed and that right. created Flagstaff Lake that cut off a lot of their access to that mountain. And they kind of shifted their focus, uh, across the valley over to Sugarloaf. And, uh, yeah, like you said, sort of began that process of cutting the first trail, cutting the access road and, uh, um, you know, the rest is. So was that, was that a climb up and ski down? Yeah. In the early days, that's, that's certainly what it was. You had to, (laughs) had to hike up and, you know, it was certainly not easy. Uh, you know, they, they they weren't hiking on, uh, smooth groomed snow surfaces like we have today. They were. They were post holing their way up and and making their way through, but they they were devoted and um, you know and they did it. So you know it's interesting because right now you've got I'm seeing about 162 trails. Um, you've got an elevation of 4237. Um, now in 1951 they put the first 700 foot rope tow. You ever been on a rope tow before, Ethan? I have been on a rope tow before. They, they, they're, they're still around out there. We don't have any here at Sugarloaf, but, yeah. uh, you know, some of the community ski areas still run them. And there are actually some larger resorts that still run them as just sort of a, an easy way to get, you know, sort of horizontally from one place to the other. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they have their purpose. Yeah, no, if he was alive today, it's one of the things I'm thinking. But so, so in 1966, um, the first gondola was installed. Does that sound about right? Yeah, and that was, you know, really sort of a watershed moment yeah. for for Sugarloaf, sort of one of the things that that really put Sugarloaf on the map as a as a world-class resort was that uh that gondola. Now, it's interesting a gondola before a chairlift. 
because I saw that the chairlift actually was installed four years later. Uh, yeah, I believe there was a chairlift before the gondola, oh, okay. the, uh, the, the Bucksaw lift, but, uh, yeah, the gondola, yeah, certainly, you know, a bit ahead of its time. Yeah. It, yeah. it was pretty impressive that they, they did install it. and it ran all the way from the base to, to the summit of the mountain, um, which that's a, that's a really long lift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, very, very impressive for then. It would be impressive now. You know, it's so impressive also just the, the legacy, the legends, um, that had that, uh, the foresight that this could be some, and then the people along the way that have invested money, to continue its growth and its expansion. And uh, again, for foresight, I mean, even you, who you've been there for 16 years, I mean, you're part of that uh, that vision and continue to um, to expand and, and attract people. So to me, you know, um, obviously you're doing your job well. Um, they've hired well by having you there. Um, you know, you know it's, it's not easy running a resort with so many different types of um, pieces to it, so many moving parts, right? Yeah, it's 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 definitely not easy. There are there's a lot going on, and you know, as a as a resort, you know, you're not just in the ski business. That's certainly the biggest part of what you do. But you know, we have you know numerous restaurants, we have numerous retail shops, we you know run a full service daycare, we have a hotel that we that we run and that we manage. We have a golf course, so there's it's a very diverse operation, and you, you're constantly changing hats and shifting from one thing to another. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing obviously is weather variability. Um, we're obviously dependent on, uh, on mother nature for a lot of things. And, um, you know, the, the shift in the products and the booking patterns has, has helped to weatherproof a bit more than, than we used to, right. used to be back in the day where it used to be, you'd wake up in the morning and, and go to the mountain and go to the ticket window and, yeah. buy a lift ticket. And if it was raining that day, then just nobody came and you didn't make any money. That day. Right. Right. <laughs> and yeah. now with, you know, season passes and, and, you know, incentives for booking tickets in advance and things like that, we're able to, to, to see a bit, you know, weatherproof ourselves a bit on the, the revenue side yeah. in that sense. Um, but it's still, you know, we need snow, <laughs> we need <laughs> cold temperatures. So, uh, we're relying on that. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, you know, here's the thing that we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, on my show and that has been COVID and how it's impact, you know, on the resorts, destinations, other types of, you know, tribal oriented businesses. But can you take us a little bit about that when that first happened, you know, it, were, it was really kind of in that, your pocket, almost your your opening pocket when, when COVID first hit. Can you give us a little, give my listeners a little bit about background as to how you handled that and how did you, how did you start to uh, adjust? Yeah, well, it, you know, when it, it first hit and when it, you know, the, it, it really kind of started impacting things was, you know, mid to late March, 2020. So um, we're still in the, the midst of our season. That's one of our busiest times, but uh, in, you know, in reality, we, we did kind of luck out a bit with the timing just because we had, you know, gotten through the bulk of the winter. We got through Christmas. We got through um, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. We got through February vacation weekend. We got through these big months, and we, we got most of the season in, and we missed out on about a month at the end of it. Good. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty, you know, it was like it was for for, for just about everybody. Yeah. It's just a lot of unknowns, um, kind of you know, shifting on the fly and, and, and doing what we could to, to make sure we were keeping our staff safe, the community safe, trying to take care of our, 
our customers do you know do what we can for our our pass holders who had uh, committed to us uh, and and unfortunately missed out on a, about a month at the end of the season there. So there was a, it was it was an interesting time yeah, <laughs> to no, say the least. That's right, you know, and also just you know the things that we hear also just I'm sure that you're facing the same em- employee issues. You're trying to find enough staff to kind of keep things going. I mean, you had another year you came coming up on. Um, I mean, how is that affecting? Are you seeing your staff levels um, kind of even off at this point? Yeah, you know, staffing in uh, in the ski industry is always uh, you know something that you're you're continually working on. In some years, it's more challenging than others. Um, you know, we're about at the the level um, where we'd expect to be, maybe a little bit behind. We right. haven't had quite the 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 dire challenges that some other resorts around the country seem to to be having. But um, you know, part of that is is COVID related, um, and I I think we've seen a lot of uh, you know, not just, just us at Sugarloaf, but throughout the, the state and probably the country, um, you know, a lot of early retirements from people, um, some of the, the older workforce, older people leaving the workforce a little, you know, a few years before they might have otherwise. Mm -hmm. So that's having an impact. Um, you know, and then the other thing in the ski industry, uh, is, is just seasonal housing is, is a challenge. Um, we saw the, the real estate market up here really take off in the last year or so, and that's kind of COVID related too, as people could work remotely more easily than they ever could before. So mm-hmm. it was more realistic to move to a resort town. So um, real estate prices have really gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. Combine that with uh, online rentals, uh, you know, uh, um, HomeAway, uh, VRBO, those types right, of things. Right. Uh, and it's, it's become a challenge to find, uh, seasonal housing if you're a, a seasonal worker. So that's something that we're working through. Um, and we'll, you know, continue to be working through in the coming years, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, we're, we're doing okay. You know, we're gearing up to, to open here in the next, uh, week or two, hopefully if we can get some cold temperatures yeah. and, uh, and looking forward to it. No, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, the importance of, you know, part of this show is to talk about, you know, that destination location. Obviously it's a driver for our economy. You know, you're coming in, um, even if you're from Boston, what are you, about four hours if you're speeding through, you know, to get to the mountain, maybe a little longer, but, but you're, <laughs> yeah, you got a heavy foot, you got a heavy foot. And, uh, um, are those your skis on the car? Yeah, they're mine, you know, <laughs> and I'm heading to the mountain. Um, you know, and, and, you know, to me, it's, uh, you know, just talk about that for a moment. I mean, I think there is a, you are a driver for that. I know you just said that 80% are local, but they're still driving up for the day. I'm a, I'm a day driver. Typically I do have friends that have places there. We'll maybe spend an overnight, but very rarely, you know, because I can, you know, I can go up for the day and come back, you know, and kind of keep a diverse weekend or what have you. But, um, you know, it's, it's important about, you know, to attract that. How do you attract the, the out-of-staters, you know, to, to Sugarloaf? Um, yeah, it's a challenge and it's a crowded marketplace. You know, the New England ski ski industry has a, a lot of resorts in a, in a relatively small geographic area mm-hmm. as compared to, to, you know, the, the Western states. So, um, it's a, it's a very competitive industry. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of voices out there in the marketplace. So it, it is difficult to advertise out of state in the larger markets like Boston, right. um, which is, you know, our, our second biggest market after, uh, after Maine. Um, but, 
you know, a lot of what we, we put effort into is, is the Sugarloaf brand, uh, and you know, the sort of the, the evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get loyalists who, who tell their friends about, about Sugarloaf and they introduce people to it. And, uh, uh, and you know, it's sort of a, an old school word of mouth type thing, but it's very effective for us yeah. and, and for our brand, which is, is very strong. And then we put a lot of money into the retention side. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot more cost effective to re- retain a customer than it is to acquire a new one. So right. we put a lot of effort into uh, into bringing people back. And uh, and it shows, you know, our, our season pass uh, renewal rate is, you know, hovers anywhere from 65 to 70%. So we're bringing a lot of people back year after year and there are generations of families that, that are up here now. You know, there's some there's some families who can can stand there together with with three generations, all of whom are are Sugarloaf skiers. Right. Um, so it's uh, that's that's you know that's a lot of it. It's pretty, um, pretty powerful for us out of state. We're relatively small in the grand scheme of things, so it's hard for us to make a ton of noise yeah. somewhere like Boston. So a lot of it has to be brand driven, word of mouth driven. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this whole thing you talked about, you, you touched on briefly, just weather. Okay, now we're in Maine. We're in New England. Um, we're going to get, you know, rain, snow, snow, sleet, you know, northeasters, you know, um, things that maybe detract or attract skiers. Um, you know, what's your, what's your way? I mean, I love the fact that your, your website, I mean, I love the, uh, the live cams. Those are great because that way I can just, that's like, I can see what's really going on there. Right. So talk to us a little bit about your weather strategy. Well, we're going to have weather and we're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the overarching, you know, the, the, the overall strategy, right. you know, there's some things that, that, you know, technology has made uh, a bit better. Certainly, you know, on the Sugarloaf is a, is a, can be a windy place, which is, is no secret to anybody right. who's, who's skied up here and uh, the newer uh, lift technologies and some of the modifications that we've been able to make to lifts over the years have allowed us to run a lot more reliably in the wind than we could previously. Um, you know, you mentioned the gondola and, right. you know, that thing probably had a, a you know, uptime of about 50% or something right. just because of the wind and yeah. how that, uh, that lift was made and the weight of the, the carriers and everything like that. So, you know, newer lifts are, are much more wind resistant. Um, we've learned a lot about, um, you know, wind fencing and, and where, uh, on the lift line wind, uh, is, is most damaging. So, you know, if, if we put some wind fencing around the, the unload areas where the the chair goes around the bull wheel, if we can eliminate uh, some of the impact there, we get you know x percent more more runtime out of that. So there is some, there are some advancements, but um, you know a lot of it is just um, you know we know that that we can have some challenging weather. That's a part of it. It's uh, you know oddly a part of what makes Sugarloaf Sugarloaf. Right. You know people. They get out there when it's when it's really cold and really windy because it's still a lot of fun to, to yeah. ski out there. The mountain's still great, yeah. the snow can still be great, and uh, you know it's part of being a sugar loafer is a little bit of resilience, yeah. uh, and that kind of adds to the to the experience and to what makes you know what why people are are proud to be sugar loafers. Yeah, no doubt. And um, talk. To, so your guys right now, tell us what's happening right now on the mountain when it comes to snowmaking and. You know who's who's doing that? What's the, what's the workforce like? What's what's going on right now? Well, right now it's about fifty-five degrees outside, so we're not making much snow. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> last week we actually were making snow last week, 
Um, we were up and running. We had about 130 or so snow guns running at any given time. Um, our, our snowmaking crew, um, you know, depending on the time of year or time, you know, time of, of winter, uh, fluctuates anywhere from, you know, 40 to to 60 snowmakers. Mm Um, and that's again, you know, an area where technology has, uh, has made some advancements, you know, the, the snow guns don't require quite as much manpower right. to operate as, as they used to. And a lot of, you know, there's a lot more, um, you know, computerized systems, uh, you know, digital operations that go into, into snowmaking. But, right. you know, when it boils down to it, it's pretty simple. Uh, you know, it's a simple recipe, recipe, it's, it's air and water and mm-hmm. it's gotta be below 32 degrees. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. You have those ingredients, and you can make snow. Right, right. And uh, in, in who, what is your favorite trail? Do you have a favorite trail that you like to ski on? Because my guess is um, that you're, you're going to have to go out there and just do some market testing from time to time, right? Yeah, I'm in the terrible position of of having to ski periodically as a, as a part <laughs> of my job, and right. my office being located about 50 yards from the chairlift. So. Um, it's a lot of my really listeners, rough. a lot of my listeners are, are hating you right now, but, but go ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a tough position to be in, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I have my favorite trails, you know, I, I love, um, you know, when I, when I was a little, a little younger, I used yeah. to gravitate more to the, the more natural trails and, uh, uh, some of the, the bump trails, right. um, some of the classics here, like bubble cover and, mm-hmm. and ripsaw, um, as my knees have gotten a little bit older, I appreciate the the groomers quite a bit. I so, you know, some of my favorites are are Widowmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Narrow Gauge obviously is a is a very famous trail yeah. for us here and a, a fun one to ski. So, uh, so yeah, that's those are kind of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. And uh, where do you take the whole family? Do you have a large family? Um, I've got a couple of kids. I've got a, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and uh, um, they are—they're definitely on skis. And we get out and um, we spend a lot of time on the the Whiffle Tree Lift. My yeah. kids love uh, Moose Alley, which is a, a really cool trail that we have here for for kids that has some some cool interactive features on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. You know, it's a whole new side of skiing, yes. um, skiing with your kids, and it, it really you know, just adds to your love of the sport quite a bit. Now here's the sport we're talking about skiing versus uh, boarding. Like, are they, are they, they, do they do both or do you have, they say, no dad, you're, you're old school. We're going to go with the boards or what's, what's, what's up with that? Well, they're, they're on skis, which is largely just because I ski. So I don't know how to teach them how to snowboard, but, uh, you know, I'm sure, uh, when they're a little older, they may, they may choose to to dabble or to switch and and that's fine you know it's yeah. all about getting out on the snow and 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 making your way downhill and whatever they enjoy is, is great. safe as possible hey now uh, you've got a pretty good uh, little lineup of events this year talk to us a little bit about that i see there's a there's a hollywood uh, i'm sorry there's a uh, holiday tree lighting festival and fireworks on the 11th and so tell us a little bit about what's going on here in the, in the next couple of months yeah, the tree lighting festival is something that we started uh, uh, a few years ago, and uh, you know it's just kind of a, a pre-Christmas celebration, and we we light up a big tree right in the village with some some really cool LED lights. Um, we can make some some patterns and stuff on it. it it's it's pretty fun. Um, and then yeah, throughout the winter, you know, we try to keep a pretty full event calendar, keep it keep it lively up here. Um, you know, a lot of people are coming up here to stay for 
for days at a time. So, you know, you need something to do when the, the lifts are, are closed for the day. So, uh, you know, we, we have things like live music, which unfortunately last year we, we couldn't really do much of, but right. uh, hopefully we'll be back with this year. Um, you know, some bigger concert events. We have, uh, you know, a number of competitions uh, in the in the spring. Uh, we do our annual reggae festival, which has been going on for, for 30 plus years yeah, now, sure. which is, uh, you know, anybody who's been to that knows yeah. is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we try to keep a, try to keep a lot going on. Well, that's great. No, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, if you listen to my show, you know that this is actually the game show portion. I didn't tell you about that, Ethan. This, so you probably wouldn't have come, but so I'm going to be the, uh, the, I'm going to be the judge as well on this, but your first question is this, and this is for a hundred points. Can you buy happiness? Can you buy uh, happiness? No, but you can buy a pair of skis and that's pretty close. Right. And can you also get a season pass? Would that be like buying happiness as well? Yeah, that's even closer. And how do you get a season? <laughs> how do you get a season pass? How do our listeners, where do they go to get a season's pass? Uh, you'd go right to sugarloaf.com and click on the button that says season passes and you'll see all our options and you can buy them right there. Okay. Right now you've got your one, you're doing good. All right. All your right. second question is how many runs before I need to get a beer? What is the number? What is the right number that I, that I should be skiing before I need a beer? You got, <laughs> you got, you got 15 seconds. Well, it, it varies from, from person to person. I always say it doesn't count as a ski day unless it's, you have at least five runs. And uh, as a personal rule, I, I, I tend to not buy a beer unless it's lunchtime. So I guess five runs and lunchtime would be my answer. Let me just check with my judges. You're 100% correct. All right. And our third question is, have you ever heard of anybody by the name of Cyclone Joan and who was she? Of who? Cyclone Joan. Cyclone Joan. Um, I haven't heard that name. If I had to guess, I would guess that that's, that's Joni Dolan, you who was a freestyle champion from Sugarloaf. That is impressive. You just got another one. You're 100% for the show today, so you win nothing. That is amazing. <laughs> hey, what do you want our listeners to know about, uh, about Sugarloaf and about uh, this year coming up? Um, well, you know, it's, it's a great time to prepare for skiing. So if you're thinking about heading to Sugarloaf, um, you'll save a lot of money if you make your plans now and, uh, book your lodging, book your, your lift tickets. Now you can save a a lot of money on lift tickets if you buy them in advance, you know, the further in advance you buy them, the more money you save. So, um, if you can avoid the wake up the morning of and decide that day to go skiing, you'll, you'll save yourself a lot of money. So, uh, head to sugarloaf.com. You can sign up for our emails at, at sugarloaf.com and, uh, you know, we'll keep you informed of all the latest deals and, and the best way to, to plan your, your trip to come up here. And, uh, you know, keep an eye on the website because, uh, as soon as it gets cold again, we'll be making snow and getting ready to open here. Yeah. We're going to really keep an eye on that, particularly these, these live camps and so forth. Hey, listen, uh, Ethan Austin, you got a great name, by the way. I want to thank you very much for your time and taking time out of your day to chat with me. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much. This is Brian Bickford, Mainly Matters, and this is the Travel and Tourism Channel. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night.